Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Rescue Radio, and Father, we just thank you again as we just previously prayed for your wisdom and counsel that the people who listen to this will hear and understand. We bind every spirit of fear and worry and anxiety, but that you have given us instruction in what to do and understanding for these last days. So, Lord, I pray, you, I pray that you would bless and cause uh, Derek, Sharon, and I to articulate this well. Welcome to the show. This is uh, Rescue Radio. This is Derek and Sharon Gilbert. A long time uh, ago, two years, <laughs> we met them at a, a Chicago summit where Sharon was giving us an interview, or a, a lecture actually, on DNA, and Derek on um, the, uh, Derek, what would you say yours is? Can you give me what a little, it, it was, Facebook I know one? what it was, but I don't know how you summarize it in one word. It was well, on, it's, uh, it's kind of morphed tra- over, over time. It, it started out as uh, how the government was using the technology that we take for granted as a tool to basically learn everything that there is to know about us and how that could be used by a future one-world yeah. government. Tracking, yeah. yeah. Tracking human beings and getting our, all, all of our information in big computers somewhere in the cloud or wherever. Yeah. Well, I, since I was, then, it's really morphed. It's, it's actually how not only is it uh, spying on us, but it's using, it's scraping data from us every day. We yeah. are being mined every day. We are the resource for a growing sentient being. That's how I see it. You know, the thing is, after we, I heard your um, lecture, Derek, I started to talk to them in my phone every once in a while. I'd, tell them the, I'd give them the plan of salvation. You know, I'd say, how you guys doing today? I mean, just kind of like maybe I was being a little bit disrespectful but of the big brother. But anyway, I, I, I'm just happy to know that they know everything about us. And so all our privacy rights and all that stuff is kind of a big joke. So we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to read the fine print, and we don't have to get all paranoid about the promises they make that aren't made. Okay, or kept. So, Sharon, give us a little bit of your background. Well, um, you've got, gosh, you've got I, a lot. So I, <laughs> I didn't know how to sort it through. And I looked at your website. Oh, where I've do I done all kinds of things. I, you know, I, have you ever watched uh, Little Big Man? No. Read, read the book or seen the movie? Well, in the movie and in the book, of course. Um, what's his first name? Just, Jack Crab. Yes, yes. Jack yeah. Crab, played by Dustin Hoffman in the movie. Is sort of the he's sort of used in a way that uh, um, oh gosh the Tom Hanks movie um, uh, Forrest Gump Forrest Gump yeah. who who appears in all sorts of places throughout history Jack Crab does the same thing the writer just it, it was a history buff and he decided he was going to invent this character who was uh-huh. at all of these big events and he managed to do that Crab did by having all sorts of occupations. And, and he, each section of the film, he comes in, well, I was in my gunfighter period at this time. And, oh, and it's sort of how I feel about my life. I have been a jingle singer. I've been a rock and roll singer. I have been a contemporary Christian singer. I've been a, uh, a singing telegram uh, singer wearing penguin costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, sung grand opera. 
I have gotten my degree not in opera, excuse me, which is originally what I thought I would do, but then about halfway through that, the Lord made it clear that he wanted me to go into science. So I switched schools. I went back to my old hometown. I ended up uh, studying nursing for a while, and then I got a very clear message from a teacher who took me to lunch and said, you need to be a doctor, not a nurse. So I went to Indiana University, and my plan was, I was in pre-med, my plan was to go into medical school, and then I had my interview, and they said, you'll have no problem getting in, just take your MCAT. And I ended up instead going for my Ph.D. in um, optical uh, genetics, which is a brand-new field. And um, since then, because my, my undergraduate degree is in molecular biology, so... All of those things, and I'm a writer. I've loved writing fiction since I was a little kid. And, and, oh. and all of these things together, the Lord did, I suppose, for his reasons, either that or he took my decisions and said, oh, lemons again, <laughs> once again, wow. get the water and That's... the sugar, we're going to make some lemonade. Uh, he's taken me along a wonderful path, and that wonderful path led to my husband. Mm. When I was at IU studying, I met this amazing person who called himself Mr. Otis. That's one of the reasons that username is so near and dear to me. And uh, we met through an online uh, quote-unquote dating service. Um, we ended up getting married uh, the following year, and it's been the best time of my life. I'm in my married to Derek period, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> well, it sounds like with from everything from pink penguin costumes to... Uh, microbiology to what all that God is preparing you for such a time as this and the both of you and um, so we just really have appreciated the little bit we've gotten uh, acquainted with you so far and like I said introducing you Sharon would have been difficult so you did a great job uh, hey and and so my questions you know I when you did your lecture um, I was I really like science myself, and I'm kind of the same way in, in terms of liking a lot of things, interested in a lot of things, never knew for sure what I wanted to do with my life, but I was a very good student, and I loved chemistry. I got it. I mean, you know, most, most people say, oh, I don't get this stuff. Biology, I loved it, you know, but I didn't really go into that, um, and I liked a lot of things like writing as well, so I like writing fiction as well, and, but I've mostly written uh, nonfiction at this point. Now, Question. When you did your lecture, you talked a lot about DNA. And um, it, interesting enough, I've been reading in Tom Horn's book. I think it's not interesting. I think it's very God. Uh, Zenith 2016, and we mentioned that a little bit last week when we talked br briefly. But I moved um, last night my reading, my bedtime reading, was page 278 in that book where he is asking you a bunch of questions. And um, he wanted to find out, you know, just how... Uh, what what is human and what is uh, this you know insidious plot uh, with the DNA the nanotechnology could that um, alter human beings and you gave him a nice long answer and I was very excited to hear that some of those very things that you had said um, were things I had already thought about too so um, you know let's there you you mentioned a couple of things in that book uh, about DNA, like I said, epigenetic science. Can you start out with our listeners? I know that some of them are just going to be kind of new to this. Some have seen and heard it, looked at it a lot. Can you explain just a little, you know, elementary kind of what is, uh, you know, the DNA thing and epigenetics and metagenetics, those kinds of things, and how those would work in um, uh, causing us to become 
like the word Gaborum came to me, uh, beginning to become, changing us from being human beings to being something else. Well, first of all, I will start by saying that only the Lord God knows the exact definition of human being according to the DNA. There, uh-huh. there may be a point, and I say may because I don't want to limit God either way, but uh, he can do all things. He can choose to do all things. Um, uh-huh. There may be a point at some future date where the DNA within the human, uh, an individual human can so be changed Mm-hmm. that God looks at it and says, that's not mine anymore. I didn't make that. And uh-huh. I, 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 would, I don't know, I suppose it's, it is possible. It is absolutely possible. And that was my answer to Tom, because he wanted to know if it was possible to, say, use a, a, an implanted chip that had the capability at some future date to begin to alter DNA. Um, is it possible for, first of all, for it to happen? And the answer is yes. And, mm-hmm. and the other question is, is it possible to reach a place where you no longer are human by definition? And, and the answer to that, yes, it, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, as to what DNA is, if you are not familiar with that, <laughs> I think most people study DNA. And I know Nicole, our daughter, studied it in grade school, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people actually well, are aware of the basics of what it is. Yeah. You actually wrote a book. Uh, your second novel was Armageddon Strain. And, and in that book... It's interesting how you talk about, and the, the scenario, how prophetic. I told my husband last night, this is prophetic. It, because you talked about this uh, a possible, the BioStrain chip that would, um, you know, advertise the cure for, uh, you called it an H5N1 Ebola. Right. And, and you are quite into the understanding of the Ebola as well. But so you, you've already answered the bottom line question. Um, can a human, can, a, can human beings... Uh, re- lose their humanness to the point where they cannot be saved. And what are the ramifications of that? You already mentioned in the book, but do you want to re- reiterate that? Um, if you're no longer human, then what? Well, again, I want to say that this is a possibility. It does not mean that it absolutely is what prophecy in- intends. Uh, the Lord God himself alone knows whether or not, because I think what you're talking about is the, the scripture that says those who receive the mark and worship the beast will not be saved, essentially. That once, cannot once, that, saved, cannot, right? once that happens, you cannot be saved. It may be because you have ceased to be human, but it may also be simply because you have chosen to take the mark and worship the beast. You don't get the mark unless you say, agree to worship right. him. By taking that, making that last choice of your life, that is the final opportunity the Lord gives you, and that, that's where he says, door closed. And it may, right. have, it may have to be with our DNA. It may not. It may simply be, be your spiritual choice to worship the Antichrist. And it could be both, because I think that, um, you know, I've, I've often thought of this myself. What would it mean? God, you know, there's, we know about... Uh, you know, even to the last minute, people can get saved. Even, mm-hmm. even murderers, the thief on the cross. I mean, there's there's always this last minute mercy of God that can intervene in people's lives. So, what in the world would it be that He couldn't extend that mercy to those who would take a mark or the mark of the beast or whatever that you know, that, if that's a chip or if that's an injection or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's what I came up with too. Is that they're no longer human, just like the Nephilim were no were no longer. Uh, I mean, they were part demonic. Their DNA had to be part 
fallen angel DNA. And so they couldn't be saved per se. Um, and, and I think a lot of people, just this is going in a little different direction right now, but a lot of people are so naive, Christians are so naive as to what the big picture is here of what happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. They just want to live in their little world uh, and not know and not be aware. But um, as you probably drew out in the book, this is a very possibility with the scenario that we're actually in this moment in history with the, you know, the Ebola viruses and the, all the uh, man-made, uh, I suppose demonically made um, viruses, uh, you know, incurable, terrible diseases, terrible epiplagues, uh, uh, pandemic plagues. People are more than likely going to be set up to really consider this an option. And what do you, how do you guys feel about, um, you know, uh, this, well, let's go back. I'll t- ask you that later. This chimeric kind of connect- combinations of things, animal, plant, human DNA, genes, grafting, whatever we're doing right now, injections. What do you, tell, tell us about that. What's going on? Well, my personal opinion is it's just stupid. Um, but I just <laughs> want to go back just really briefly because I get emails from people all the time who are terrified that something has happened through chemtrails or through GMO foods or whatever that has altered their DNA to a point where they were no longer human and God wouldn't, couldn't accept Save them. them. <laughs> exactly. And these are people who love the Lord. These are people who are terrified. And that's why I'm so careful when I talk about this because gotcha. the scripture itself says, you take the mark, you worship the beast. They go hand in hand. That's right. That's right. And you don't worship the beast when you eat uh, exactly. You know, the, the, corn, this you know. is a free will choice. It is not going to sneak up on you. That's the right. Lord God is not like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not out to plot against his own people or to trick us as the enemy exactly. has continually. The You're enemy right. wants to trick us <laughs> every yeah. moment of the day. But, you know, I think what the chemtrails and the GMO food is all designed to do is to weaken us, weaken our immune systems, our resistance, our brain functionings, uh, not that we're, I mean, just weakened human beings, if you will, and in that they're actually, uh, the enemy is reaping a great harvest of early death among human beings, population, cutting people off, creating great misery and pain in their lives. But again, you're, you're, now you're touching on a subject that I like to talk about is uh, the assurance of salvation. Can I lose my salvation? A lot of people think they can lose their salvation by sinning as well, and I know that's another theological this discussion, but I always say you don't lose yourself. You don't get your salvation by being good and not sinning. You got it by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So it's not an issue of sin. It's an issue of the Son. Exactly. The devil's trying to make it an issue of sin. And therefore, again, if he can take away our assurance on any level, whether it's um, you know our assurance of salvation or our safety, he can. That's fear, and fear then gets in and it begins to turn the tables. So even in these days, I, I really believe our position and posture towards this whole thing is one of uh, worshiping God, rejoicing uh, in everything, give thanks, looking up, and trusting the, trusting the Lord to be our safety. So, um, so we and you, you said that earlier. This is this uh, these combinations, this this chimeric com- combination of things, this, this messing with the DNA to create a superhuman uh, to go uh, beyond or. Uh, shortcut uh, a person's immortality by cutting God out of the equation um, is foolish. But nonetheless, I believe it's being done. Um, can you 
going back to talk to us a little bit about the time it was first done, how it was first done in um, Genesis, and then we'll kind of move forward to today. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, Genesis chapter 6 is, is pretty clear in, in the way it uh, describes the, the incursion mm-hmm. of the, the angels who, according to Jude, kept not their first estate, those who yeah. left their heavenly abode and came down to earth and took wives from among the daughters of men. There are scholars that have uh, drawn on the work of Augustine in, in the 400s, early 400s, who want to make that about the line of Seth, or the line of Cain versus the line of Seth, because... Uh, they can't square the idea of supernatural spirit beings having relations with human women. Um, But the fact is, uh, there are other scholars uh, who who very plainly say, this is what the text says. You can't get around the way the text (laughs) describes this event. Uh, So it's pretty clear that that there were a group of angels who came to earth and had relations with human women and produced some sort of hybrid progeny mm-hmm. that were a real problem. We don't know much about the Nephilim from the Bible itself. They're only mentioned a few times, but it's pretty clear that they were a problem for the ancient mm-hmm. Hebrews. In fact, Dr. Michael Heiser has done a, a wonderful job of documenting how the wars of Joshua, when the Hebrews finally came into the land promised to Abraham, Canaan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that his wars were directed against the tribes identified as giants in the book of I'm, Genesis. Wow, well, that that's... Can I, you know what, that makes me think of a couple things. First of all, when in Genesis, right away when Adam and Eve sinned and, and God cursed the serpent and said he would put enmity between his seed, his seed mm-hmm. and the seed of the woman. I mean, that's very interesting. The devil must have some sort of seed. Uh, and so there's clue number one. And when you're talking about uh, the um, people get all up in arms about how, God is so bloody and cruel, and he sent the flood, and then he had all these innocent people, children, families killed in the wars of Joshua and Canaan, um, you know, to understand why God sent the flood if Noah was the only one left perfect in his generations. That may mean, mean, and you can comment on this, that he was the only one left with good DNA. Well, that's exactly what I think. Yeah, it's... It's the only one that makes any sense. Right, because if you say it was a matter of people being evil, well, you know, people have been evil all throughout history. What was it about the evil in Noah's day that was especially egregious? I mean, the Apostle John writes in the New Testament, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what was so unique about Noah Right. He, you know, because according to according to John, all have sinned, even Noah and his family. And we see that Noah was far from perfect. You know, got drunk, passed out. You know, yep. he, he yep. had exactly. a love affair with the grape. But there was something <laughs> else going on in Noah's day. Perfect in his generations. Yeah. Well, you know, and some people are afraid to look at the extra biblical books like Joshua and Enoch and Book of Jubilees and stuff. But those books, I really, I've read them, you know, and I've read the Bible for many, many years, so I wasn't really afraid to read them. I thought if they're lying, you know, the Spirit of God is going to bear witness. But they seem to be very respectful of the Word of God and actually supplement and um, uh, complement and, and confirm everything that's already given to us in the Cliff's Notes version of what happened. I think the Bible is actually the Cliff's Notes mm-hmm. of what really happened because... There wasn't a need for getting that thing um, uh, explained any more to the people than what they just had. But um, so going through that, then getting, you know, God is, his reputation is also on the line. 
so uh, they they got through the Giants, but the Giants, you know, obviously we got through Noah. The Giants reappeared. What's your what's your thought on that? How did they get through the boat through the ark? Well, any, I, I don't think they did. I think no, it was just a second either. incursion. Oh, okay. I think it's the second group that says, "Hey, you know what? They they wiped us out. Uh, you know, God took care of that. So we now we've got that pure DNA again. Rats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's yeah. try some more." Yeah, that could very well be. The verse in Genesis six that says uh, that, uh, uh, and I'd have to reread it. But there's a verse and there's a word in there that says when uh, they came into the daughters of men, uh, and it's. Uh, and I'm not a Hebrew expert by any means, but again, drawing on the work of Dr. Michael Heiser, the, the word when could mean whenever. Oh, so that okay. indicates that whenever they came into the daughters of men. So, yeah, second. Oh. I, I and do it believe was clear. The second it says, and after. Y- yes, in those days and after. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. indicating after the flood. Sure. But, but yeah, I think that, the, yeah. the, key, the key point is, uh, you know, what were, the, were they trying to do? Did the fallen angels just want to create a race of giants to club humanity to death, or were they trying to corrupt the bloodline? And uh-huh. that's where we get into present day, and where Sharon and I have been focusing on. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sharon looks more at the uh, uh, the genetic aspect, which is her expertise and, and her her schooling. Science. Yes, and uh, ah, I, science, I, sacred, sacred. <laughs> just yeah. kind of kind of a geek, and I wear a foil hat on weekends and looking <laughs> at the way technology is being used to uh, yeah. uh, augment, supplement, and fundamentally change what it means to be human. It is so it, it appears, and again, this is a working theory, and this is not core or central Christian doctrine. Um, right. But, but, it, but does ex- it does explain what's going on in the world around us. It, 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 uh, helps to understand, it helps us to understand why there is so much effort being placed on the idea that we humans need to transform ourselves in order to survive forever. And, and, and I think it helps also to understand why the Lord told Joshua to take out entire people groups. Right yes. down to the animals. Right, right. There was something about the DNA that was so corrupt. By it, that's the only thing that makes any sense. Because mm-hmm. why, why take out babies for goodness' sake? What do these little babies do? The livestock. Why kill the animals? Unless yeah. they were being crossed as well. Exactly. As we, exactly. Yeah. Or experimented with, and and who knows what's what. So just get rid of it all. But you know, you, you're talking about uh, how this would affect human beings, and why would the devil? Is he just want to club humans to death? through giants and through uh, but I, I believe I believe he has a, a higher agenda for himself and that is the fallen angels and the demons who I believe are have come as the the, the wandering spirits uh, the evil spirits that came out of the Nephilim who are now hybrids half human half demon and when they died they didn't know where to go so they're like wandering spirits and that's why they became the demons who are looking for a habitation who Jesus cast out of a human being, and they looked for another habitation, which they, you know, made the the deal with him that let's go into the pigs, and uh, Jesus let it go for five seconds, and then the pigs gave up their lives. So the demons were wandering again. But don't you think that uh, Tom Horn talks about? I don't know if he uses the word fit habitation or uh, fit extension. Fit extension. That's the word. He, he they need uh, they want a vessel that they can live in that they can re- regain some capabilities in terms of having a vessel, a body, whatever. So if they can create these extensions through messing with our, in our bodies, because we have bodies, do you think that's part of, and, they, and because I think they want the human extensions, there's my theory, that they don't want to 
perish forever and be thrown into hell. So they want to. They are extending their immortality. That's what they on the earth as a uh, so they can bypass God's judgment of them. What do you think? Well, it's it's hard to know what what the enemy's end game is. Uh, the, we're dealing with an enemy that is far more intelligent, far older than than we are, knows scripture far better than we do, and it's yeah. it's um, uh, it, it just speculation. So uh, speculating, yeah. if the the plan early on was to try to pollute the human genome so that the the, the Messiah could not uh, yeah. arise, because Jesus had to be fully God and fully human in order to fulfill that perfectly. And he had to be a, have clean DNA. Exactly. There. If he was not fully human, then you know the rest of us humans would not have had a, a savior apparently to. Uh, bear our sins and, and yeah. be the, the sacrifice we needed in order to buy our yeah. redemption. So He wouldn't have been a lamb without blemish. Exactly right. So what, what is the purpose of trying to corrupt the human genome and change what it means to be human today, whether through uh, genetic manipulation or through mechanical augmentation or technological upgrade? Uh, is it so that when... There's a verse in the New Testament, and forgive me for not knowing where it is, where Jesus says... When the Son of Man returns, will he find any faith on earth? Yeah. Will, he really, yeah, will he really find faith on the earth? Will I think he find Lord, any humans sure. left on earth? Uh, yeah. Now, I That's know that there are some who speculate that this type of augmentation is to create a race of uh, super, soldiers. super soldiers to fight the heavenly host when they return. Uh, I think that that may be a... Uh, uh, one aspect of it. One aspect of it. The other aspect may be to just, uh, you know, again, in just... D- change people so that they're no longer human. If, if you're not human, can you be saved? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. Well, you know, the big but. question is, if the, if, and this is an if, of course, that is totally hypothetical, if the enemy, if Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, the Nakash, whoever the big general is, if he could keep Christ from returning, does he keep the earth as his That's own? That's right. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's, then he's got to win the last battle, and of course, you're absolutely right. That makes total sense for an endgame plan. He's got to get the super soldiers um, to be able to fight against God, and um, multiplying the, his army uh, would be to his great advantage. But what, where, I mean, here's my thought, another thought, but can human beings sustain another generation or two uh, if, for example, if there is an, an, uh, an epidemic, if there is a plague, if there is a, a killing off of humans through uh, dis- distortion, changing um, their DNA or whatnot, can what's going to happen to uh, the, the hope for human beings to continue on the earth? I mean, how much can we sustain another generation or two? I mean, it is. You know, like the way at the rate at which they're producing or working feverishly night and day in our laboratories to tinker with DNA, to change things, to create their uh, super soldiers, their chimera, whatever they're doing. What is the chance? What is the hope for our our children or our children's children? What are they What are they going to be looking at? I think the biggest hope for our children is to, from the very moment they are old enough to understand teach them about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If you know the genuine article, you won't be fooled by the enemy. You won't be fooled by the imposter. So teach them first of all, lead them to salvation, because the younger the person is, the more likely they are to understand, strangely enough. Yeah. The older we get, the more we start to, you know, just our own human 
idiocy creeps in, it's amazing. Little children get it. Mm-hmm. I know. I've witnessed I agree. a lot of kids, and they get it. And, and yeah. so th- as far as that is concerned, prepare them. But when they get old enough in there, start teaching them what you and I talk about and what Derek and I talk about all the time, the fact that there is there are prophetic words that say that the enemy is going to be allowed one last stand that will last seven years, mm-hmm. and then Jesus Christ will return, and the enemy will be totally beaten. Well, and then there's a thousand-year yeah. reign, yeah. and then the, the enemy thinks, okay, I got one last little feverish chance. Well, that's not going to work either. The enemy wants to make God a liar. Yes. And we need to instill within every child, every human being that we can, God never lies. Everything he has said is true. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's what the devil has done all through every conversation, every discussion. As a matter of fact, I I work a lot with people, and Romans chapter 7 really talks a lot about Paul says, I'm doing the things I don't want to do, the things I want to do I don't do, the things I don't want to do I do. Mm -hmm. Here's Paul, the apostle, who is putting out on the table uh, the the issue that we all struggle with, this continued battle with not doing what I want to do and doing what I don't want to do. And then he says, I agree with God. I mean, I know who I am. My identity is made in the image of God. I love his law. But he says, I see this war going on inside of me the one who wills to do good. So I think there's an outward uh, apostasy, but there's also an inward deception where people are actually being programmed or reprogrammed by the enemy. We're made in the image of God, but once we hit the snake pit down here uh, of experiences, the devil's trying to create in us a a new agreement, and that is I am what I do, I am what I see, I am what I think, I am what I feel, I am what I say, and I am what other people say and do to me. Um, so that, that's a, that's a, that is a change as well in our divine nature into a human nature. And with that programming, people are torn, uh, you know, between um, making a decision made based on what they think and feel and get confused or basing it out of their spirit. Now, if they're not saved, they can't even use their spirit software yet, but Paul calls it a body of death. He says, I, I this, he says, um, who will deliver me from this body of death? I think that's the old demonic software that was programmed into Adam and Eve at the garden, which causes us to think instead of know and to feel and be afraid instead of to know what God says. So there's that, there's that battle, the inward battle. There's the external battle. And now even today, look at all the wars we have. There's a battle over Israel, and there's the battle within and all around her. And it's just... What is that? Is the devil just using that as a distraction? What? What does he have? A lot of agendas here, or what? Well, I, it seems I, like he's got a bunch of fronts. He's got the internal front. He's got the political front, and then he's got this um, futuristic war he's preparing for. Well, I'll, I'll say something in a minute, but I think Derek, you want to take the political part. Well, yeah, I, I think that there, the, it's part of a, a deception, and, and we're looking at this understanding. I, I think that we should we should understand as we look at this that we're, we're like checkers players okay and we're pretty good at playing checkers and suddenly now when we try to analyze and assess what the enemy is doing um we're, we're dealing with an enemy that's playing three-dimensional chess okay so oh yeah, yeah 12 yeah. dimensional chess. yeah so we, we yeah 12 dimensional chess yeah, thank you chuck missler uh and we um <laughs> so so we, i think we can get ourselves tied up and not trying to, to dig too deeply because at a certain level we're just gonna in, we're just in over our heads 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that um, the, the enemy is, is obviously wants to destroy Israel and has since God called out Abraham as, and his descendants as his own. But beyond that, I think the enemy, on a deeper level, wants to use Israel as a lure to draw other well-meaning followers of Jesus Christ into behavior that is really not very Christian. Um, and it, it really... I, I've come it's to, I've called come, a cup of trembling for a reason. Exactly, exactly. And there are those who look at Scripture, and we understand from Scripture that those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse it will be cursed. So, um, But taken to an extreme, and saying that everything Israel does is right, the, the mm-hmm. geopolitical nation state of Israel is right, and everything that anyone does against Israel is wrong, I think is taking it too far. Um, we, we, I don't think we should conflate the nation state of Israel necessarily with God's chosen people. Israel still has a role to play in the end times. That's pretty. That's clear from prophecy. Well, the nation state of Israel committed many, many misdeeds in the Old Testament. So that's true. Nothing's changed. No, that's true. <laughs> but the fact that Israel is there is still a fulfillment of prophecy. And I know that there are those who will say, well, that doesn't really count because that was a Masonic uh, cabal, that uh, you know, Zionist uh, conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. God used pagan nations in the Old Testament to execute oh, his plan yeah. all the time. He used yeah. the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Babylonians uh, to, to execute his plan over and over again. So, again, it was prophesied that Israel would return to the land. That's not been completed yet because there are still more Jews living outside Israel than in. But the fact that Israel is there is a key prophetic marker that we are getting close to the end. Now, I I believe, and uh, this is based on the work of a young fellow named Chris White, who does a lot of study and Bible prophecy and has come up with it. He's got a brand new book out called False Christ, and he makes the case that the Antichrist will present himself to the world as a Jew. Not that he will be a Jew, but will present himself to the world as a Jew, which explains how he's able to set up his center of power in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Th- it does make sense, especially when you look at, uh, say, Daniel 11, the last verses in Daniel 11, 40 through 45, which detailed the wars of Antichrist, where the king of the north rushes in upon him and is defeated, and the king of the south. It reads like a re- it, almost like a summary of the wars of 1967 and 1973. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine you're a conservative, patriotic, Bible-believing American Christian, and suddenly... The Arab nations around Israel launch a surprise attack, as they did in 67, 73, uh, and this charismatic political leader, Israeli, leads the military there at the IDF to a smashing victory. And not only that, then because of alarming news from the east, again, going back to Daniel 11, Mm -hmm. goes out and defeats uh, an enemy in the east, perhaps. Iran mm-hmm. certainly would fit the current political situation. How do you think most American Christians would respond to a political leader like that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Celebration. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there are strains of American Christianity, hyper-charismatic generally, that see a leader like that as someone they're looking for to restore Israel's fortunes. Yeah. And if Israel were to claim territory then, that would sort of fit the geography of the land that was promised to Abraham and his descendants, the Abrahamic mm-hmm. covenant, there are some Christians out there. There are some Christians who would see that as fulfillment of prophecy and say, mm-hmm. "Yes, this is the guy. He is Jesus returned." And you know, and 
I, I believe the enemy is that deceptive that he would use yeah. a very subtle deception like that. With, with all due respect, because I'm still open to the idea that you know the UFO phenomenon is part of the great deception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But frankly, I think that the sight of a, a flying saucer over the Washington Monument, like in a 1950s uh, science fiction film, might be a little too shocking to actually be an effective deception. Mm-hmm. But for well, American Christians, for the church, for the church, right. and that's the big thing to remember. It's exactly. not for the world; it's the deception to the church. For the church, exactly. right? Because the exactly. enemy's already got the world in his pocket. Most yeah. of the world right. doesn't believe. He doesn't care about them. They're already on, uh, in his yeah. back pocket. He's, He's got to set deceive. up a counterfeit that the, the a bait that the exactly. Christians will bite into, and that would be a fulfilling of a, a looking like fulfilling a prophecy. Exactly, and it will come word. at the end of a war. He is going to say, "All you post rivers, you were right." Exactly. <laughs> We've just come out of seven years of hell, seven yeah. years of tribulation. Now let's rejoice and start that thousand-year reign. Here yes. I am. And we're going to reestablish the uh, sacrifice in the temple, so all the Jews yeah. will be on board. And I yeah. think that's a far more compelling and, and, and argument. Uh, yeah. yeah, a far more compelling uh, deception than than uh, right. Well, that's 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 his mo because the devil will always take whatever is real and true that God has created and create a counterfeit or a number of counterfeits and in this case a lot of uh, he's using a lot of prophetic word to pull people believers who do not really know they're a lot of they're walking in a lot of deception themselves they think a lot of what we listen to inside of us and believe is god isn't god in terms of you know the the the, the deception of the mm-hmm. enemy who comes as a, a false jesus a, an antichrist spirit mis you know doctrinal error etc cetera, etc cetera. And so this just sounds perfect. I mean, this is wonderful. He's got it. He's figured it out. I mean, well, let I, me I, let me step in just for a second and and go with something you just said. A counterfeit, <clears throat> excuse, of everything that's promised in Scripture. Paul says, "We shall not all sleep, yeah, but we shall all be changed. We're yeah. all going to be transformed." The enemy has a plan for that. It's called transhumanism. Mm-hmm. You know, I read yes. that last night in Tom's book, your paragraph there, and I thought, whoa, I never saw that before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Everybody's going to, all will be, all are going to be changed. And that's what our kids and grandkids are going to believe. Derek and I, that's where we're being led right now. I'm going at it through science. He's looking at it through through the geopolitics and, and, and how the enemy is spinning everything we're seeing. If you look in the, just Google the word transhumanism and then click the news tab. And you will see story after story after story in, in the Huffington Post, in the Washington Times, in the Washington Post, New York Times, the, the, the Daily News over in the U.K. Everybody's talking about transhumanism. Are we, are we already post, post-human? Why would they ask, are we already post-human? Because many of the transhumanists are saying that very thing. In fact, some of them are saying that we've already reached what they call the singularity. Yeah. Derek, you wanted to explain what the singularity is? The, the technological yeah. singularity, it's a term that was bar- it's borrowed from astrophysics. The singularity in astrophysics terms refers to the, the, the point in space around a black hole, beyond which you can no longer escape the pull of gravity. In other words, your, your reality is forever changed because you can't go back. The, but, the, but there's an event horizon around it, which means right. that you can't see past that. In other words, it may look like the light isn't quite reaching it yet. It quite isn't at the singularity, and that's what they're saying. We may have already reached it. Mm-hmm. We may have reached the event horizon and crossed it, so we, we don't really see it. 
as you know, just common observers. Uh, yes. Whereas uh, they think we have. They yeah. think that that uh, technology has reached a point now where an artificial intelligence can rise up, mm-hmm. and we need to, as human beings, either get better or be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Embrace it or embrace it or die because yeah. they believe that the artificial intelligence every one of them and by that i mean we're talking uh, several hundred mainstream scientists including the head of engineering at google including nick brostrom who just spoke to the brain institute committee over in congress they believe that an artificial intelligence probably is in the bumblebee stage right now looking around, socializing with other entities across the Internet and looking at us. Mm-hmm. And they're going to determine whether or not we're fit to so survive. They're, so they're saying, they're, they're saying that we, there are already transhumans among us. Is that no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they believe that there are already artificial intelligences. Oh, yeah. In other words, we're talking about a sentient software program. Uh-huh. They want to become essentially Cylons. They want to live forever. Mm-hmm. Ray Kurzweil yes. is terrified of dying. Many yes, of them of are terrified of dying, and they believe that the only way to transform and be eternal, it's the false eternal life, is yeah. to extend the human form in some way forever. Yeah. So either becoming a robotic entity that has our brain inside or uploading our consciousness to the Internet. Which gets yeah. into the whole AI thing. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and well, so that's the humans, uh, the non-saved humans' goal uh, quest mm-hmm. to live forever. Um, so we have two things here. We have human beings who don't want to die, and they're terrified of dying, and they don't want to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got demons who are terrified of uh, of. of Dying or being, or not dying actually, but being cast forever into the lake of fire. So they both are highly motivated to come up with a solution, and it may be that uh, the enemy is obviously, we know he has already, uh, it, it, you know, it, um, it got some to agree with him. I mean, that he's enticed uh, you're the, the Illuminati, the, the, some of the masonry stuff. He's enticed some people to come on board with the New Atlantis, the eternal life from their point of view, it sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's really ironic when you, you think about the approach of the, the transhumanists, those who believe that uh, the only way humanity can survive eternally is through upgrade. It's, uh, you know, this, this human body we've been given is, is so flawed and faulty and such a bad design, we're prone to get disease and decay and so forth, uh-huh. and so we're going to figure out a way to live in this body forever. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, children are born today essentially with an iPhone in their hands. Mm-hmm. So Derek has this wonderful question, and, and you always put it better than I do. Are they going to – because they are being told now from uh, early on – in fact, I did a program recently, and we'll probably do more on this topic because it uh, makes a lot of sense. A, a friend of ours who we saw out at the Pikes Peak Prophecy Summit said, you know, you really ought to do a show on the transhuman – memes, ideas uh, that are being sold to children through the Japanese style of animation called anime, yeah. which is yeah. very popular. In fact, our, our daughter's in her 20s, mm-hmm. and her, 
studying graphic design, and her art style is very heavily influenced by the uh, style of anime. She's loved anime since she was a kid. Sure, absolutely. And that is a theme that is recurs through uh, this, this form of entertainment, because uh, it's coming out of Japan, and Japan is predominantly a Shinto nation, not Christian. Um, so, kids have been yeah, raised... That's, well, you know what, that's every... Every agenda that Satan has, he has to begin by corrupting the minds of the children. Absolutely. Was there media? You know, that's where we get the video game thing. That's where we get, uh, you know, homosexuality. That's where we get everything is from. That kind of just alluring their fresh little minds into, and, and like you said, Sharon, a little while ago, they have no trouble believing. They have no trouble believing because they have a lot of faith for whatever's put before them. Yes, exactly. But, exactly. But, but go ahead, honey, well, what you were saying. The, the point is that uh, science is generally the savior in those programs. Yeah. And they very often have supernatural themes. But again, it's science that saves the day. And so children who are watching that form of entertainment, who've been raised with an iPod or an iPhone or an iPad from the cradle, are they more likely to trust their eternal life, their salvation to the miracles of science that they've been hearing about since they were young people, the iPhone in their hand, or will they trust their salvation to words in a book that their parents have probably never read? Yeah. Yeah, what's the hope of these precious kids? Exactly. Yeah. And you look at the survey done, the recent survey, I think 2009, by George Barna and his Barna group, uh, showing that uh, among Americans, only 19% of Americans have a biblical worldview, or rather 9%, 9%. But only wow. 19% of those who self-identify as born-again Christians have a biblical worldview. And when you narrow down the demographics to 18 to 24-year-olds, the next generation of adult, only one-half of 1% have a biblical worldview in America. One-half of 1% yeah. of, what was the age group? 18 to 24 18 to 24. And can I just tell you something? This is just uh, uh, my husband and I, uh, pastoring a long time, uh, have noticed that the, the increase of what I will call the pagan festivals. Um, these are the music festivals. These are the old, <clears throat> the resurrection of the Woodstock. And at those festivals, people are drinking and carrying on with their new age, their gurus, their witchcraft, their yoga, meditation, all this stuff. I mean, carousing in the forests, in the woods with tents and sleeping out camping and three or four or five-day festivals where they pay a lot of money to get in there. And there's most of them are, you know, your 18 to 30-somethings, really. I mean, they're just lost. Yeah, it's there's just... thousands. I mean, these are big festivals, 10, 20, 30,000 people. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's timely that you mention it because the Burning Man Festival, which takes place every year, is uh, running from the 25th of this month through September 1st. Yeah, well, these are all little burning, little little sparks of the Burning Man that have popped up everywhere, and uh, so we have started to go to the pagan festivals and uh, <laughs> set up our prayer station and talk to them about Jesus. But you know, it's absolutely what kind of materials and what these kids, these young ones, these children, they. Who's going to write the material? Who is going to send them, create the videos? Who is going to give them an alternate to, because they're into video. They don't necessarily know how to read. They're into, you know, hands-on. Who's going to write this material? Who's going to get this to them somehow? You know, who's going to reach them? Mm -hmm. I mean, huge responsibility. Um, so there, you're, 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 we've covered a lot of really um, heavy-duty subjects, and I don't know, is it, it, going back to how do you present the gospel to a 18 to 24-year-old who's never believed and been raised on science and the scientific method and the miracles of science, science is our savior, blah, blah, blah. 
and don't know God from anything. What's God's hope? What's God's plan in all this? Got any idea? Well, Paul has a wonderful way of dealing with everyone, and that is you start where that person is. So you yep. have to, you can't, you know, have a sweeping one way to reach a demographic. Yep. Unfortunately, that's the way the world thinks. Um, we have to start where that individual is, and, and many young people in our churches uh, are, frankly, not getting fed at all. They are getting uh, junk food fed to them, if anything is being fed. I think they go many times to church simply because it's a social outing and yeah. an excuse to, you know, listen to some cool music and, and then go home and not tell their parents what they learned because mm-hmm. they learned nothing. Um, yeah. So you start where they are. And, and you know, the Internet is a uh, two-edged sword. The enemy uses it for all sorts of evil. But it can be a wonderful way to reach these kids. They're online all the time. Yeah. You know, if you can find a way to start where they are, such as anime, if mm-hmm. you can set up a site where you, you know, review anime or, or talk about anime, and you may have, you may not present yourself in a way that, that many mainstream born-again believers would go, would. Yep. yeah, you, in order to start where someone is, you mm-hmm. have to be where that person is. If mm-hmm. they are into drugs, you have to hang out with druggies if, yeah. if, and mm-hmm. understand their language. If, if, you, uh, if they are into anime, you have to learn everything you can about anime. Yeah. If they are, uh, you know, into science, then you start with that. Yeah, and there are forms of entertainment out there that are aimed at uh, this age group. A friend of ours, a gentleman's become a friend, though we've never met him face-to-face, Brian Godawa, who's an award-winning Hollywood screenwriter, has uh, is in the middle of producing a series of novels called Nephilim Chronicles. They are awesome. And aimed at young adults. And because he's a screenwriter, he writes in a very visual style. By that I mean you can see the characters in your mind, mm-hmm. and he yeah. knows how to tell a good story. It's like the Lord of the Rings meets Genesis. Yes. It's wow, so cool. Wow, wow. And he draws on the accounts in Genesis and uh, elsewhere in the Bible, but he also draws on the book of Jasher and the book of Enoch and uh, the book of Jubilees to fill in some details. Yeah. And he fills in, and much of it is speculative, we understand that, but the main points and, uh, are, are biblical. Uh, and he's, in fact, he's enlisted the help of a gentleman I mentioned earlier, Dr. Michael Heiser, who is the academic editor for Logos Bible Software, uh, to uh, get his direction on the divine council, which are those fallen angels who rebelled against God, or mm-hmm. they were part of the divine council, that is. Uh, and again, it's, it's a wonderful, entertaining story that begins with uh, Noah, goes back to Enoch, has gone through uh, the period of Nimrod and who Nimrod really was in history. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's, his, next four, his next book is uh, David, because David had his own encounters with giants. And I think yes. that's due to come out soon. Yes, and so, so that is he, fascinating. This is, this is a, uh, a book. These are books, not screenplays. That's correct. These are books. Series and and I think he's turning, isn't he doing graphic novels as well? He's trying to uh, enlist a, uh, a Kickstarter program to, to fund that because those are... Uh, because the truth, that's really the way you're going to reach a, a 15-year-old yes. because they don't read novels anymore. They read graphic novels. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So there's that. There's another gentleman that we've met at the last couple of uh, prophecy conferences put on by Prophecy and News, uh, uh, and that is Russ Breald, yes. who is head of the Shroud of Turin Education Project. That is something he takes around to college campuses around the country and shows with science how the Shroud of Turin could not have been the creation of any human hand. And that is something that draws a lot of young people in. because He was on the science team. Yes. And 
Okay. He is a uh, um, well. Barry Schwartz was on the science team. I'm not sure Russ was on the science team, but he began investigating oh, after okay. he heard about it. But uh, Barry Schwartz is another fellow who is uh, uh, promoting and the shroud full, and trying to get the word out. Full size replica of the shroud that right. they take with them. And it's something that appeals to kids because it's a mystery. It's an mm-hmm. X file. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like mysteries. Exactly, exactly. It appeals to the human curiosity that the Lord gifted us with. And when you start saying, okay, here's what we've got, and here are the tests that we've run on it, and here are the things that we have ruled out. It can't be a painting. It can't be this. It can't be that. So what are you left with? Mm -hmm. And and so that's another means of reaching a younger generation. Because frankly, you know, know, even as as a... 50-year-old adult, uh, there are times when a uh, sermon can be a bit dry and, you know, <laughs> mind starts to wander and focus a little bit. But, boy, you put something cool like the Shroud of Turin. It's like you've got this mysterious image. Oh, yeah. it's, an, yeah. it's, it's a photographic negative. But we didn't even know what a photographic negative looked like until the invention of photography in the late 19th century. So how could somebody, you know, hundreds of years earlier? Take a earlier, picture of it, yeah. Exactly. Talk, talk and so that. that's another means. You ha- like as Sharon said, you have to look at where they are uh, and I hate to use the well, word marketing because it sounds so commercial. But the, well, in, I was just thinking of that word connections. Go ahead. But in terms of uh, finding out what interests that age group and how do we present the gospel in a way that mm-hmm. appeals to those interests, it doesn't mean we have to yeah. fill it with you know flash pots and laser lights and, and loud right. music. Right, loud music. <laughs> well, you know, going back to marketing, I, as you were speaking, I was just seeing these, uh, you know, how many believers have websites. We have a website, Life Recovery. How, why can't we market with them? Why can't we expose their stuff? Every little bit helps. Somebody may come to our site. Somebody may tell someone else. It's kind of a word-of-mouth grassroots thing. But when these kinds of inter, uh, projects, um, uh, I think Rob Skiba is doing something too. I don't know much about it. Oh, but, yes, yes. See, yeah, but yes. See, what about funding, supporting, endorsing, promoting, among, you know, becoming as Jesus prayed that they all may be one, they may know that you, we are, you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. That's that unity of knowing what each other's doing and supporting, strengthening, uh, take, you know, covering their back, keeping their back for them, and going forward with this. Um, actually, I don't want to. It's, it's hard to speak about what you're supposed to be uh, just maybe always doing, but I am also writing. Uh, it's called an audio book. And it's called God on Trial, and it goes through mm-hmm. it, it goes through all the characters of the Old Testament, not all of them, in a uh, um, a premise that Satan has uh, brought charges against the God of the universe, um, uh, declaring he's not fit to rule the world, and so he's bringing forth all these Old Testament characters, and we have the cross examination, uh, we have the def- defense as justice, and we have prosecutors, Satan himself, and. Uh, the, the, the judge is God, but the human beings who listen to this whole scenario are the actual ultimate judges. But So Nimrod is in there as well. So it's an audio book. I wanted to write it as a deep theological treatise, but it ended up being an audio book because um, it can be. It's easier than a, a visual at this point. But all these kinds of projects, it's just amazing what God is, I, I believe, in his great long-suffering, stirring up the creativity of his people like yourselves, to do things like this. And so and connecting, I mean, I'd love to, I don't, I've don't. never heard of these guys. So you've helped me um, to go and do a little homework, a little research, and, and for yourselves as well. Um, you are writing these 
novels, Sharon. Tell us a little bit about your work in writing. And Derek, too, if you do some... How, um, how much time do we have left, Derek? Well, actually... We, we, we were going to go an hour. Yeah. Oh, we're 18 seconds over. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I, will just, I will just say we'll save the novel stuff until next time, but... But essentially, the Lord has raised up a whole bunch of wonderful people to speak to alternative issues or exo-Christian issues that will reach the people who are not reached. Because in a traditional church setting, it's very sad to say that Jesus has left the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. That's a good place to end this because... Uh, we need to now have, we've got the cliffhanger now. Jesus has left the building. We'll do another <laughs> hour with you at a future date, and we'll talk yes, about lots bet. more stuff. Well, thank you guys, Derek, Sharon Gilbert, for your incredible uh, wisdom and counsel and courage. And, Father, we just pray a blessing upon them and a blessing upon all those who listen to Rescue Radio uh, and your, your station as well. Uh, and you want to give a quick uh, ad, ad? Oh, it's on your site. They'll already know who you are. Oh, so. just go to www.pidradio.com and you'll find everything you need. Thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. God bless you guys. Talk to you later. God you bless. too. Bye bye. Well, here we are. That was quite an interview, wasn't it, honey? Oh, wow, wow. And yes, so absolutely. Much and I'm sure if you've been listening to this. Uh, you would want to give a call. I, we would appreciate your calls and your yeah. comments. You've uh, been waiting patiently yes, and quietly. Yes, you've been waiting probably just way. like, wow, wow, maybe it's stuff you've never heard before. Any questions, um, comments, thoughts that you have about this, uh, please give us a call at 347-215-8051. Again, that's 347-215-8051. Give us a call. Yeah, we'd like to talk about it a little bit more because when you raise all of these kinds of subjects, such a gamut of thoughts, everything from uh, can we lose our humanness and and how stable is our DNA and uh, the mark of the beast all the way down to how is the devil plotting against our children these days. There's tons of things to talk about, think about, and um, consider. I think one of the first things, honey, that it's really important always is to get the big picture and then go for the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, each one reach one. People are reached through individual human contact, love, words. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 the overall big picture is that, and you look through the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, that Jesus Christ wins. I mean, the, the, these evil, sinister schemes are going to all come to naught someday, mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus is going to rule and reign forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, there's a lot of these schemes that are doing uh, amazing amounts of damage to the hearts and minds of people. Yeah. Uh, even if you're, if you're, even if you're not talking about the alteration of uh, DNA. There's plenty uh, of nasty stuff going yeah, on out there. The, yeah. Even so, if that weren't in the equation or in the mix, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. I think some and giants and nephilim and UFOs and all right. those critical events. But you know, and here's a here's, well, there's a lot of things. Understanding the big picture. Let's go there for a second. Um, you know, we have key players in this drama. We have the Lord God himself. We have human beings and we have the devil. And uh, everybody's, you know, everybody's got, a, uh, everybody's got a role to play in this. And God's purposes for making us were to spend eternity with us in a relationship of love. Yes. That we'd be part of the family of God. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, or as he already knew about there was going to be 
a demonic um, assault against his plan, his people, his creation. Mm-hmm. And um, as we talked about in the interview with uh, Sharon and Derek, um, there seems to be several uh, urgent, desperate things the devil needs to accomplish here um, in terms of his own uh, immortality, and that would be to um, somehow take over the earth to the place where he'd have to get rid of human beings and create fit extensions for himself, especially for his demons who don't have bodies, and also create possibly something I would call a super soldier uh, to come up against the Lord God himself. Well, well, the, in the thing final is, battle. I'd like to know who, who uh, I, I'm not aware of a whole lot about the, the scientists. Who are these scientists? Who are these universities? Who are these think tanks? How do we identify these as uh who is doing it? Now, I, I know of, I've seen some of the p- people involved, uh, you know, well, heard some I, of the presentations okay. uh, about the whole singularity thing, how this is just going to be the greatest Well, that just brings up my second the point. There's, the devil has an agenda, and that is to preserve himself. And he's also enticed human beings, and I'd say the... the to cooperate with right. him fully. And so their agenda, as we kind of touched on that, would be to... Um, create a situation where they would also live forever, have a immortality apart from the salvation plan of Jesus Christ. And that is not going to work. Although both groups, the demons, the devil and his demons who have enticed and persuaded many humans, uh, these kinds of people you're asking who they are and what they're doing, to become very committed through the to the centuries. This isn't just a brand new thing right. in the last 20 minutes here on Earth. Yeah, well, you think of uh, you know the whole concept, the whole myth of uh, reincarnation. Well, you know, everything. I mean, where, where people sort of you, you sort of have eternal life through getting recycled over and over again. Well, if Earth. you look at you stop and think about the persecution itself, the element of, of persecution and corruption upon the Earth, and, and almost always, if not indeed always, when you look, it is targeted against those who believe in God, Mm -hmm. because the God of this world has corrupted, blinded the minds of many people. And I think uh, Jesus said, if we go back to the, you know, what Jesus says, because we have to do that. He is the stabilizing, he is the clarifying point, voice in all this mess. He said in Matthew, of course, he says the very first words out of his mouth under, when asked the question, the question, several questions actually in Matthew chapter 24, Verse 1, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Now you can imagine they're walking by this splendid building, uh, beautiful, um, you know, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they thought it was going to be there forever. I mean, they just didn't see any way that that building could ever be changed, removed, or destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said to them, do you see these all these things? pointing to the stones of the temple, I'm sure. Assuredly, I say to you that not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And if that wasn't shocking enough, um, they kind of thought on that for a minute and they moved to the Mount of Olives and they kind of cornered him again with another question, asking him privately, saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, notice he's got... He's got several questions they've asked him. When will these things be what? Well, the destruction of the temple. Um, what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? So it, you, you see in the following 
versus then kind of maybe a mixing together of answering all three questions and not quite sure which question or which answer belongs to which question. Um, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed. Now, going back to what I said, his, his very first warning word was, take heed that no one deceives you. So we know that the um, whole thing that's going to go down, uh, that we're a part of, is plotted and works out of and through and laced with deception, counterfeits, lookalikes. And it's all, it, it began in the garden, didn't it? Mm-hmm. The first lie. Yeah, the first lie. And, and the whole thing, too, is like, uh, you know, we just uh, watched uh, God is Not Dead, the movie, just, yeah. uh, just last night again. And good movie. It's, it's a good movie. Very, very well done. And the, the arguments there, you know, exposing a lot of the <clears throat> circular reasoning of people that believe that there is no God, that everything mm-hmm. just sort of evolved and right. everything like that. Now, uh, but see, that, that points out something happening. So Satan has to create a story to explain everything. He's got to fabricate, you know, and he uses myths and fables and, and science. The problem is, is that we, uh, human beings, for the most part, believe his, his lies. That's right. It's pretty sad. I don't know why we do. I think the reason people it, do that is because it, they don't like know the it's, word. It's like it's easier for human beings to believe the lies than it is to believe the truth. Well, because, first of all, they are, well, that would take us to the very core of the problem is that we've already been programmed mm-hmm. to believe lies. And we've talked about that before, especially how we're programmed in our souls to believe lies, even about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But so again, going, there's an inward deception. There's an outward deception. There's an inward uh, counterfeiting at, where the enemy even impersonates us to ourselves. But in the outward ex- external world, I think what's happening is we can say, well, you know, I just don't want to know. I, I just, it's too big, too much. But Jesus didn't say, stick your head in the sand and pretend. He did say in Isaiah, come into your chambers for a few minutes. I think that's Isaiah 26. I think that's a very comforting scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, he's telling his children to, he says, there's going to be a big mess going on out there. Here's what I want you to do. And I'll read that to you. It's in 26, uh, 20 of Isaiah. He says, come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment. Until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. That scripture, which was true back in Isaiah's day, I would say, you know, in the 50s and 60s, they would have said, well, go into the bomb shelters and hang out there until they've finished dropping the bombs. Well, I don't think the bomb shelters and all that is going to be a safe refuge place. The only places for safety is for, is in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and and the whole the whole concept is is why uh, why, why human beings are moving in this direction. And uh, it's interesting, you know, Second Corinthians chapter four, uh, verses three and four. But even if our gospel is veiled, the good news of yeah. Jesus Christ is veiled or hidden or covered, or people or can't see it. Mm-hmm. It is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing. So if people can't see it, can't get it, it's because they're in a condition of, of perishing and they're, go, they're, go, they're lost. That's well, it Jesus kind of goes Christ. around if you're blind, you can't see. If you can't see, you're blind. Right. There's another problem, though. Sometimes people are blind because their eyes aren't working and sometimes they're blind because there's no light. You know, right. if but you go into a dark room, your eyes may be working fine, here, but you here's, don't see right, here's there's the no issue. light. Right. And sometimes it's, it's that if you're blind, you can have light all around you and you still won't see. Well, and the other thing about that is, too, that you, there's false light. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the angel, of, uh, the enemy comes as an angel of light. Transformers, angel of light, right. truth, So this is the real problem. There's not only counterfeits, there's a counterfeit for everything God has presented to us. Uh, Satan is a counterfeit salvation, a counterfeit redemption or resurrection uh, called, you know, reincarnation or whatever. For everything that God has, Satan has his options. And, and, and people don't even know how can people discern that there's a plot against them if they don't even believe there's a plotter who exists? Right, right. It's a, yeah, going in Second Corinthians 4, 4, it says, Whose minds the, the God, God of this, of this age, world, yeah. God of this age, this world, who's Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine onto them. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a, there's a satanic... Blinding and blinding that has taken place over the minds and hearts of uh, of people. And And one of the things that Paul says uh, in, uh, is it 2 Corinthians? Let me just check. He says, yeah, 11. He says, one, uh, oh, that you would bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Here, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11, 11, 3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. There is a simplicity to all of this. We say, oh, this is too much. This is uh, unbelievable. I can't figure this out. I, if I don't know everything, will I be okay? How, do, how can I tell? How do I know? I, we, need, we want to, we will, by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, stay in the simplicity uh, of Christ, the simplicity of being a child, trusting in our Heavenly Father to bring us through this. Now, this doesn't mean you're naive. This doesn't mean you're um, complacent. Jesus was very specific. He said, don't be deceived. He said, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Well, why would you chase after Christ if you already have Christ? In your mm-hmm. in your own life through the Holy Spirit through His mm-hmm. the Word. Well, people are we're Empty? Are kind of pre-programmed to go after false saviors. Well, they're pre-programmed to think they they can't they need something that uh, Eve she needed something more she was believing a lie that I yeah and so people are thinking I don't have it within myself I got to go find it I need to have something to be complete. She and had the God, emptiness. the God and the creator of the universe yeah. right there. But she and, didn't know that was yeah. all that she needed because she didn't know there was anything more out there that she, but she was persuaded to believe or consider that she was missing something. I believe that's part of her problem. And a lot of us do the same thing. So we go after Jesus's and, and, and you know, the, the more you do that, the more you move away from the word of God in the simplicity of the gospel and try to figure something out and get some a fancy explanation, you know, the more we're going to be um, misled or, or be in jeopardy of being misled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that what we've talked about in the first hour is not there. It is there. It is as complicated, convoluted, screwed up, messed up uh, as, as, as you and I even can imagine, can't even imagine really. The devil has done that purposely to... Just, you know, to distract people, to discourage people, to um, cause them to become disillusioned. But there is a simplicity and the, the bottom line. What's the bottom line, honey? 
Well, I would say, here's the bottom line. What's the bottom line to safety here in this whole thing? Get through this thing. What's the bottom line? The bottom line of safety is to get to know Jesus Christ as as your Lord and Savior. And to trust him. And then to trust him. Now, Now, can can I say something about the trusting part? You know, we're built by God already to trust him. So it's not a matter of earning it, performing, learning how to trust him. It's already there. It's like, it's like breathing. It's like, okay, you have an ability to breathe. Now just do it. Or let's say you have an aptitude to, um, to, to swim. Okay, you just go and it's there. You just begin to develop it. It's not something you have to concoct. It's already there. You have an aptitude for this or that. We have an aptitude ingrained in us to love and know and trust we, God. We have an aptitude to... In, in, Innate. Exactly, because we are created in the likeness of the image of God. I wanted to sh- share a little bit more about that later. But we are, it's like we're, okay, we're born to swim. Right. But Satan is standing on the edge of the pool whacking us with a <laughs> canoe paddle. <laughs> yeah. You know, or keeps us from the water. Well, or keeps us from the water. So yeah. so there is, there is really... Uh, it's it's a false oh, and then after good he fight of you, faith. Then he, then he says, you're pretty stupid. You don't know how to yeah, swim. Yeah, you don't know how to swim. You look at, you what know, do you think you're doing? Right, right, right. So really, it is it is a constant state of, of war. Right, uh, and that's another piece that's, people need that's to put a into piece their That's you have to look picture. at it. And people think, oh, no, I mean, i got enough problems on my own. I have to worry about fighting with the devil. Well, this is, it. in a sense, it is what, I don't like that term, it is what it is. But, but it is it, what it is what as it far is. as a spiritual You are warfare. going to be in warfare whether you like it or not. Either, you might yeah. as well face it and, and make it count for something as opposed to just getting beaten up for no purpose. That's right. Yeah. You might as well be a victor rather than a victim. Yeah. Now, it, it is interesting to, you know, and we're going to kind of, we're kind of slowly working our way to what I consider the bottom line on all this. Yeah. And if but, you have a bottom line, call us. Talk to yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. What's that number again, honey? You want to give that out? You haven't yeah. memorized this yet? What's yeah. Oh, 347-215-8051. 347-215-8051. Give us a call. Or chat with us in the chat room. Yeah, Say hi. Yeah. Let us know We'd you're there. We'd love to hear from you. Now, it is interesting that it's like, okay, we're already created in the likeness and image of God. Mm-hmm. The eternal God, the creator of everything. Mm-hmm. You'd think that would be enough. You know, do we really need an upgrade? But but the thing is, what happens is that yeah. that How image of God has been not obliterated, but it has been marred and has been Subdued. stifled. Mm-hmm. And where the dominant nature of human beings is um, the, the the what we call the sinful nature, the second nature has become, for the most part, the dominant mm-hmm. uh, well, force. Well, and you know, it's kind of interesting how you connect that, that human nature with iniquity. God actually talks about that. And you're talking about the, the upgrades. Well, I think it's been a downgrade because when oh, yeah. he talks in Jeremiah chapter 2, this is a very interesting comment the Lord is making. He's talking about his relationship with the children, his children, the children of Israel. And he says um, in verse 20, Jeremiah 2, 20, uh, New King James, for of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds. And you said, I will not transgress. So in other words, he's saying, for, uh, I've, I've helped you, I delivered you, brought you out of Egypt, set you free. Um, and you said, you promised over and over, oh, okay, we're going to be good now. Okay, we won't transgress right, anymore. We'll right. behave. When on every high hill and under every green tree, you lay down playing the harlot. In other words, 
with God idolatry, worshiping those false gods, the, the myths, the, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, pagan uh, gods, the Egyptian gods, all of that to God was considered uh, adultery because he was in relationship with his, uh, his people. And their, their fornication with these uh, ideas and thoughts and concepts and worship of these strange gods, he, he looked at it like they were playing the, uh, the role of an unfaithful wife. Yet, he said, I planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. When you're using the word seed, you're always thinking about, I mean, we don't automatically, but seed means it has to be something that can reproduce. A seed brings forth, a seed has the code, a seed has the, carries the image, the identity of that particular uh, thing it represents. Yes. And so what carries the information that that seed uh, contains is really the D- the DNA. So he said, I made you your DNA perfect. I made you in my image. Everything was functioning beautifully um, without sin. How then have you turned before me into the, the degenerate plant of an alien vine? Isn't that kind of interesting? He said, what happened? How did you end up, you know, not only a little hurt, a little broken, but I don't even recognize you, an alien vine. I planted you, he said, a, a, a vine, a noble vine, a true vine of highest quality. And now you're from this degenerate plant of an alien vine. How did this happen? How did this transplant or cross-humanism or transhumanism, how did this, I mean, we can look at it today, look at it even back in Jeremiah's day. For though you, and then he goes on to say, this this change in you is not a surface change. He says, because though you wash yourselves with lye and use much soap, you won't be clean. Yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord. So the iniquity, their transgressions, their rebellion, their the lies they believe, the agreements they were making with the enemy, the worshiping of the enemy, all of this uh, stuff that was in their heart to do, these abominations, your iniquity has marked is marked before me. That means there's a mark somewhere on that human being made by this iniquity that has created or changed them into an alien vine or something that was not totally recognizable. Um, So in Psalm 130, verse um, uh, 130, verse 3, I want to just pull that up for a second too, because there's also a cross reference. He says, there it says, guys, if I, if, the psalmist says, if you mark iniquities, O oh God, stand. So the question becomes, actually, if you, should, if you Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who can stand? Um, where are these iniquities being recorded or marked? And the only place that makes any sense, I mean, we know Cain had a mark on his forehead. But when we sin, the mark, now going back to the mark of the beast, that's going to be in the hand or the forehead as well. But this particular iniquity mark is, I believe, on the DNA. So well, what? Yeah, that's been that's been substantiated. Why don't you uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of that uh, research that's been done right there with the DNA, where they have uh, found different things similar. Oh, yeah, similar epigenetics and all that kind of stuff. Where so talk, they've actually done. I, I've not brushed up on it, but this has actually been researched already that um, people who behave uh, similarly but different from other groups, 
like, for example, people who are addicted to um, alcohol as opposed to people who are um, struggling with sexual abuse or, or, or incest. Or these, the group, within the group, uh, there are similarities on the DNA, but the DNA of the two groups um, look different. They're marked differently. So all the people with the addictions, for example, have a similar spot uh, on on their DNA, whereas Mm -hmm. the people with uh, the sexual assaults have a different place marked. But nonetheless, what's happening is the iniquity is rewriting the God, the original God information of the divine nature. Now, sin does not necessarily, I don't believe, change our humanness. But if we continue to function and live and choose within our human nature as opposed to the word of God and, our, and reconciling with God and walking in our divine nature, that bread of this mark will uh, defile and destroy the DNA. And I, I believe that's why our DNA is getting weaker because we're making more and more agreements with sin. And it says in um, Le- Leviticus 26, 39 and 40, um, he says, God says, if you are attempting to enter into the promised land and you see yourself being eaten up, beaten up and wasting away. Look to the, he's, then he says, okay, here's the cause. Here's what you want to look to look for. He says, he says, if you will, this is what you need to do. If you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers, which is with you, then I will restore the covenant. So even with that story of AI and um, the Babylonian garment and Joshua and the, the city of AI uh, defeating the children of Israel the first time or two out because the children of Israel had committed a sin of stealing and hiding the Babylonian garment. Even though it was only one person who had done this, the whole camp was suffering defeat. So that's just a story, of of, of, a parable, if you will, of when we or our generational line have chosen over and over to disregard God, the word of God, the, 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 the salvation of God. What happens is our, nick, our, our DNA becomes, becomes um, weakened, I think, more susceptible, vulnerable, corrupted, because he goes on to say, and then I'll, I'll be, he says, your iniquity, your iniquity, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord. And that means stained or uh, still upon you, spotted, dirty, stained. So something is staining them, and we know it has to be the DNA, because that's the only part of it that us that really... Uh, it remains to be communicated from one generation to the next. You know, I don't pass my arm down to my daughter. I don't pass my leg down to my son. I pass my DNA, which is carried on the genes and chromosomes. So then he says, um, how can you say I am not polluted? I have not gone after the bales or the, ball, the, the devils. See your way in the valley. He says, look at yourself. Behave, you know, this is what you're doing. And But you say... Um, there is no hope. No, for I have loved aliens and after them I will go. So uh, bottom line is, it was a matter of the will. It was a matter of, even when God corrected them and says, it's not soap, it's not good works, it's not trying harder, it's not penance, it's not washing it, it's not, that isn't going to take away, that's not going to wash away the sin. What's going to wash away the sin? No, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that can restore the DNA. And I believe, even as we're talking about the most intimate, uh, intricate parts of who we are in these last days and Satan's going to do the, the battle is probably going to end up even over our DNA that mm-hmm. we need to know who we are and God is the keeper of our life. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. the truth. 
Yeah, it's a matter of a uh, 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 lost identity. You know, uh, people, lost, people, you know, the people spend their lives trying to find out. Well, who am I? You know, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Where am I going? All yeah, that. Why, sort of why thing. am I here? Yeah. Why am I here? All those kinds of things, and uh, and we can the, spend our whole life trying to figure all that stuff out. But the the scriptures provide the answer for those who would look there that we're here as we've said so many times, created in the likeness and image of God. And there is the, the, the hope that we have, the only hope that we have is, is getting in back to that right relationship with God well, through faith there in is Jesus hope. Christ. There is hope. That's, that's, the, that's the hope. That's right. And, uh, and that is the, the only hope, the living hope. Yeah. And um, well, so if, if that's the, the place that we're going to look, but that comes to the point where, uh, somehow that has to be communicated well, to you know, people. Well, you know, people have to, yes, they have to hear. That's how the gospel is spread through preaching, teaching, sharing, speaking. But he that wins souls is wise. I think it needs to be wisely communicated, whether it's, you know, like uh, Derek and Sharon were talking about um, specific things that help specific groups of people, whether it's, uh, it's animation or graphic novels or whatever it is that they're able to, and, and, and it's, it's, on their, it's on their level, so to speak. Um, but, but at some point, there has to be this willingness to let go of the lies, the willingness to let go of what you're used to, familiar with, uh, what you're comfortable with, what you've been taught and told all your life, what everybody else is doing, where the world is going, what the TV tells you. You have to get sick enough of it to say, wait a minute, where are you taking me? Mm-hmm. You know? Jesus said, this is going to be a, t- a troubling time. I, I, there's no other way. I mean, he says, let not your heart be troubled. When you see, uh, see these things, that, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. There are going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be all this stuff. But the end is not yet. That isn't even the end. That's just normal. Um, but there's going to be a specific set of signs, nations against nations. That's just normal. That's been forever. Um, kingdoms against kingdoms. Uh, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. We probably know more about them now than before, but I'm sure there were some all, all the way through this whole drama. All of them are Satan's attempts to, to confuse, destroy, hinder, uh, silence the people of God. But he says these are the beginnings of sorrow. Then they will deliver you to, um, then you, uh, I'm sorry, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations, for my name's sake. Look at, even now, if you don't oh. want to hear this, I mean, don't listen to the news, but even little trickles of it, you know, they're beheading um, people, um, children, uh, Iraq, various terroristic groups, um, Christians. Christians are being the ones targeted. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting? Why is it always Christians? All through history, it's only really been those who would follow God. Yeah, and, that, and that's What it, does yeah. that tell you about the war? Well, the war is intensifying. And what does it tell you about our enemy? That he is vicious. He doesn't like Christians. He doesn't like Christians. And so, and he, he can undermine Christians through and what are we going to do false, about that? false teachings that would come into the church. Um, so there's a, there's a tremendous yeah. undermining of the basic doctrines well, of that's Scripture right. that is happening in, in, in churches and denominations across the country today. But going back to the, the first line of defense is what? You yourself, know yourself, know who you are in God, 
know God's word, know his promises, know what these signs of the end are. You don't have to know specifically the order of events. You just have to be able to recognize it enough to say, whoa, I think we're almost there. And then begin to look up for our salvation draws nigh, but begin with rejoicing. We, we need to know how powerful our God is, that we are in his care, in his hand. He is watching over. So he really doesn't want you to be afraid. He says, be anxious for nothing. Um, rejoice. This world, as we know it, is not our final destination. Thank the Lord for that. Yeah. You know, this is this is a proving grounds. Uh, one uh, one of our old teachers used to say that this is a, this world is our dressing room for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think though people get overwhelmed with the word. They say, "Oh, I don't know it. I don't understand it. I've got to have somebody else tell me about it, interpret it for me." Um, people are really intimidated by just beginning to read the word. Just please, you know, sometimes. I mean, you're willing to eat your own food, aren't you? You eat know your that. Own food. You know that nobody can eat your food for you. I mean, they can maybe feed you intravenously, but nonetheless, somehow that food has to become yours. You have to digest it. It has to become part of who you are. It has to become available to yourself. And usually that happens just through eating our own food. And yet in the spirit world, we just are afraid. It's just like we're all anorexic or something. Uh, we don't want to eat the word of God. I mean, I, I really believe the devil's done a, a number on us because of, of feeling afraid that we might misinterpret it. Well, it's been so misinterpreted by the enemy. Um, and you got the Holy Spirit living in you. So I don't think it could get any worse than it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's a bold, and, and erroneous and statement. And I don't to know. To add but. to the confusion, there are so many uh, versions of the scriptures out there. Yeah. And just like every like every week, every time but, I pick up a, a flyer from a Christian bookstore, there's, there's a new yeah, that's supposed to be clear and accurate and all that stuff. But they're really but that, that's the disgusting. word of God is being just warded, uh, war, uh, watered, say, watered down, yeah, watered. and watered down and and distorted in, in so many ways, so people don't, you know, can't even. Uh, but even recognize. in that, even in that, and I agree with you completely. But even in that, if you are willing. I mean, to, to begin, willing, that is a key word. Be willing. Lord, make me willing. Lord, if I've got there's some issues blocking me from being willing to reach out, to, to obey, to walk, what is that hindrance? What is that spirit? What is that lie that's making me um, half-hearted, doubtful, double-minded, not willing to enter in? But even if you're willing to read wherever you're at, start where you're at. Start where you're at. God is willing to meet you there. Start where you, if, if all you can handle is little devotionals, then start there. If all you can handle is a Bible scripture on your on your iPhone, smartphone, you know, start there. Yeah. Um, but start get, get the Word of God in you. Yeah, you know, and, and if you're reading the Word, whether you're you know reading on your iPhone or computer or listening to a CD in your car that's, uh, of the scriptures or, or actually yeah. reading, yeah. it's like. Actually, reading is, that's what I like best. Well, you know, it's, it's sad. Reading. If you start, and if you just read for depth, not for distance. Mm-hmm. If you just say, you know, Lord, speak to me. The psalmist prayed, open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So if you just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to yeah. see yeah. what you want me to see here in this passage of Scripture. 
And maybe you have to just ward off the enemy because there's all kinds of distractions that will come and well, yeah. the lack of concentration. The Holy Spirit lives inside so, of so us. So you need the Holy Spirit to say, to Lord, interpret. you show me. Mm-hmm. And Holy Spirit, you, you give it to me straight through in the midst of all the distractions and potential distractions that are around yeah. me. But and, and, and if you get just some every day, yeah. the, more, the more you get, uh, the more you want. That's true. Um, if you start small, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, you know, it's like, okay, here you are. It's starting in any you're having you start like, where you're at and you start You're having small. like one, one kernel of popcorn. Okay, oh, right, that was really good. You know, usually if you eat one kernel of popcorn, <laughs> you're going to have a few more, and then you have a bowl, and, and, and there you, you go. So, yeah, so, so spiritually, start Where you somewhere. are. Start where start. you are. Don't don't delay though because really seriously our time is so short and again yeah. must, many of us are in churches that don't even talk about Jesus coming back which um, yeah it's not it's it's all a plot to keep you blind until you they've led you over some cliff somewhere and you're dead but it says in First John chapter um, two verse twenty seven um, verse twenty six actually these things I have written to you concerning those who try to to deceive you. He's talking to them about the deception. Actually, in that chapter, he's talking about the Antichrist. He says, you have heard in verse 18, little children, that it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, God is saying, you already have an anointing from the Holy One, and you already know all things. I don't think he's exaggerating here. I think he's just plain old telling. So, we got disconnected there. Yeah, well, the enemy doesn't like this sort of talk. Oh, that just bugs him so much. Yeah. But anyway, verse 27, we're in First John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So this is really, God is saying, you're very secure in me. The anointing comes through the abiding. You're abiding in me. My Holy Spirit's in you. It's all good. Just listen to me. Know that you know what you know. And don't be so tattered and and tossed about with your thoughts, your feelings, because those are coming from your soul, but know that you, we have an anointing in us. And so when you read the word of God, which comes to us through the inspiration of the, of the scripture, we can read Jesus's words and say, and, and, and say, okay, don't be deceived. Many Christ, many false, many false prophets will, will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We're back in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Isn't that the truth? How many people don't want to get involved with other people's lives anymore? It's too messy. It's, there's too much lawlessness. I might get sued. Even stopping along the road when someone's, you know, waylaid with their car or something. People don't want to because it's, it's a coldness we go by because I just don't want, what if they sue me? What if, you know, the lawlessness that's abounding is creating a separation that is working to the enemy's advantage because we do not realize that he has pitted human beings against human beings for his own desired end. 
and that is that we would kill off each other, uh, hate each other, when in fact our real enemy is the, the, the evil one, the wicked one, Satan. But some of us have somehow believed that we are killing the other person or groups of people, doing God a service. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly, again, what the Word of God says. So, again, I, the only way you're going get, to get through this and stay in peace is to know that the end, in the end, Jesus Christ prevails. He's coming back for his own. Um, and in the meantime, he's told us enough to get us through it with victory, with his faithfulness. Um, you know, little pieces of this information, that, like, for example, the mark of the beast. We're going jumping back to that piece now where we, we're marked again or get the chance to take another mark. How many people might just take that because they don't even know what that is? Mm-hmm. They have never heard about it. They they don't know about it. Um, and Jose well, says, uh, uh, my people are destroyed for, for, lack, of for lack of knowledge. knowledge. And, uh, and ignorance is, is not bliss. It's, it's, uh, it's very yeah. deadly. Well, and and so it, yeah. you know, but but people all across the world are, are the being boat, programmed right now to so easily receive the mark of the beast. Well, because they're programmed to just do what they're told, um, you know, and they're in we're in very vulnerable spots because we have to um, we're we're less and less self sufficient in terms of our own, um, you know, uh, self sustaining life. I mean, we, we have to depend on many, many people just to get through an ordinary day. Well, we're, we're, we're for food, for electricity, we're, for we're, water, for we're computer dependent, we're yeah. internet dependent, or so, iPhone dependent. And, you know, I understand that that's kind of where it is right now, but the thing is, we cannot depend on other people to make our decisions for us. That's just the bottom line. It is your life. And you're going to spend that life, you're given account of that life, your life, to God. And God is able to keep your life for you. Mm-hmm. He wants to keep your life. He loves you. He's not here to abandon you and see how you do. He's not here to throw us um, out to the wolves and see if we can survive or not. It's not even about that. It's about his faithfulness to us. And once we know the love of God and the mercy of God and his faithfulness, then all we want to do is know more about him and really understand what the priorities are. A lot of people are so hurting. They're in such pain. Honey, they, 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 they can't even think to put one foot in front of another. They're just so wiped out. Yeah, and then, and then you talk, you know, then you consider uh, uh, world events, just yeah. the world events, you don't even, want to even as they that. are reported by the uh, mainstream news media. It just seems like it's just very overwhelming. Uh, so many people, and maybe you're in that situation tonight yourself, where you're just overwhelmed with your own life and your own problems and yeah. your own issues, and then you throw in, you know, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, and yeah. giants and, and earthquakes, and earthquakes in diverse places, Ebola. and yeah, and, and Ebola and all that. Well, it's like, I, whoa! I really believe that that's the positive part of all this is that it's good news because this is all pointing to the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And well, if that Jesus doesn't excite said, you, said all this would happen. if that doesn't excite you, then you don't know who he is. I don't know. I mean, we're not criticizing people for not being excited about what they're going through, but here's the deal. Jesus Christ, you know, this war, this story, this epic, this movie, if you will, is about to come to an end. We're in the last couple of minutes of the movie where it's the, it's the, the, evil looks like it's winning there's the big chase there's the big uh 
you know, threat. There's the big betrayal. There's whatever's going on. But Jesus Christ is on the throne and he is totally in control. We need to know that this was the, 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 the this was told from the beginning. This is nothing that is coming up shocking to God. And he's saying, oh, no, you know, I can't pull this off now. It's out of control. He's in complete control. Yeah, exactly. He's in complete control. And, and, and that and, and that, and that is, should pe- give us peace. Now there's a there there is a, a stability in the midst of all this that um, yeah. God wants to give us uh, that we're anchored in the love of God we're solid in Jesus we know that we know that we know mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is Lord the gospel Paul said in Romans one sixteen it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes so. The confidence in God, confidence in His love, confidence in His gospel, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 keeping the the yeah. beauty and the simplicity of Jesus Christ. We have to, you know, He said uh, as Isaiah twenty six three, you will keep him. He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is whose stayed, mind on, is stayed you. on you because he trusts in you. Well, he, Jesus describes himself in John ten as the good shepherd, and us, of course, as sheep. And he says, um, most assuredly, verse 1, I, told, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is telling a story of what happened to the shepherd, his sheep. There was a robber who came in. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus also calls himself the door. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, we all know the stories of the shepherds when they mingle their flocks and then they'd go their separate ways and the sheep would follow them. Um, I was walking through a hotel lobby not long ago, and there was a bunch of little kids. I mean, and there were several couples uh, also in the lobby. And the kids seemed to know which parents to go with. They seemed to know which couple to go with. Mm-hmm. They recognized their parents. They recognized their voices. And they all, nobody was. Come on, honey, let's go. Yeah, and, and, and the rest of them go. didn't go with the wrong parents. It was kind of like cute. But um, he knows. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his, sheep, his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So Jesus said to them again, he's trying to retell the story in another way. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He is the only way, the only door, the only um, uh, entry point to God. There's no other um, name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. He's the mediator between God and men. There is no other option. There is no extensions of life, no way we can graft in some cyber singularity or, or uh, cyborg or what, Cylon or whatever they're called. Uh, immortality, it's we have one door, and if we will humble ourselves and go through that door, which, by the way, you have been made to go through. God has created us to desire Him, 
And if you have no desire for him, it's because you've been shut down and, and held captive by the enemy. Mm-hmm. So pray. Ask God to remove your enemy. So Jesus says, I'm the door. And, you know, the, you can fit through the door. You know. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that's a very apt description of exactly what Satan is doing in, in our personal lives and in this world. I mean, the world is created by God, creation with God, paradise with God, the people of God, birds of God. Everything. And Satan came and just ripped the whole thing off. You know, um, I think he actually cheated myself, but he did because he deceived innocent people who didn't even know he existed. So, But he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God is not happy with that. God is the judge. And he says, um, he says, I have come, Jesus, that you might have life and life more abundantly. Again, that's a promise, that, and God does not lie. So how do we get that abundant life? How can we in, have that in the midst of this horrible, wicked, falling apart world? Well, you know, the when Jesus came, uh, you know, as a human being, as a man, the world was wicked and Justice, nasty yeah, and yeah, fall, yeah. falling apart. Now, we've got multiplication of that in our present day because... But nothing different, really. No, it's just but more, more multiplied yeah. because there's more people. The uh, And we're know, running out of time. The devil's getting more desperate. Generational curses have yeah, multiplied multiple. over the centuries and everything like that. The fact remains, um, Jesus Christ has come to give his... Peace. He said, Peace I give you. Mm-hmm. Now as the world gives, give I unto you. Let your not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So the thing is, we don't we can't we're not called to live in fear. Right. He says, just John fourteen, let your not let your heart be troubled. Um, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my so father's don't house are let, many mentions. Don't let your right. Uh, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't permit it. In other it. words, th- don't permit it. So we have a we have a choice there. You can, you know, the psalmist said over and over again, um, "What time I am afraid, I will trust in you." I mean, he's, it's said there, so, in various, so there are times when people times. are truly afraid, anxious, yeah. um, tormented. I mean, this is absolutely the way I it mean, is if, out there. If you don't, if you don't know the peace of Jesus, mm-hmm. you've got good reason to be afraid. Yeah, and, there's and, a lot of you know. Uh, but if you know Jesus, there's really nothing to be afraid no, of. No, because you're you're in His hands. Whatever happens, mm-hmm. uh, whatever has happened, because is happening, or whatever is going mm-hmm. to happen, He, you're in His hands. But you're you know, a lot of control. people don't believe that God is good because of the bad things, mm-hmm. and they don't have an understanding or a way to explain why all these bad things are happening. So therefore, they're just making the assumption that either I'm bad or God doesn't care. And they don't put the devil in the equation enough to understand that the devil is the one who's demanding all of this um, testing and all of this, uh, you know, uh, challenging of our lives. This is, this is not heaven. A lot of you know people who've died and went to heaven, and they're wonderfully, wonderfully at peace, rest. There's no more anxiety. There's love. There's everything we long for down here. Uh, and we're going to get there. We're, we're actually in the Lord's hands. But right now, the most important thing is for you yourself to begin to speak up, to begin to take notice of your own life, to begin to ask some questions like, who am I? What, why, who am I listening to? Who's talking to me? Who said that? Where are you from? Even though you might want to make that 
assumption that it's you talking to you or it's your own self-talk or a lot of stuff that people mull around in their minds never becomes uh, concrete enough because they don't say it, they don't write it, they don't, it, it just kind of hangs out in there and it kind of keeps uh, programming them or controlling them and they don't even know why they keep going around the same destructive mm-hmm. circles over and over and over. That, that is one of the great tricks of the enemy to keep people, uh, believers, From, yeah involved in their own uh, internal inertia. Chasing their tail. Chasing, chasing their, their spiritual tail, tails chasing and feeling tail, bad about it. Navel-gazing, chasing yeah. their spiritual tail. When I Jesus said, internal, go. Internal inertia. Yeah. So, and so that is, a, that, is a, that is a horrible, horrible trap for people to be in. Um, now, Jesus wants us to be free, but, you know, it, it, here, here's... Someone said years ago that Satan has basically a three, threefold strategy. Threefold strategy. Number one, to keep you from getting saved, keep you from coming right. to Jesus. Secondly, if he can't keep you from coming to Jesus, and you do come to Jesus, he wants to keep you as ineffective as possible. Keep you down. So someone called uh, referred to that uh, years ago as uh, a high maintenance, low impact Christian. <laughs> Then his third option is uh, is to run like hell. If you get on fire, for you God, get on yeah. fire for God. Exactly. He he, uh, he said, "Resist the devil, and he will flee, and he will flee from you." Yeah. Greater is he that is on us, in us than he that is in the world. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. You know, Jesus. Part of why we have this program yeah. is to help address um, the internal inertia that you have. Those strongholds, mm-hmm. uh, we want you to, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or please you now give yourself over to him. Mm-hmm. Believe that he loves you. Believe he's a Savior and Lord. And it's just you believe and receive. It's just, yeah. it's just simple. He, well, he, he has examine, a gift of eternal examine, life for you. Yeah. Examine that eternal or that internal, internal inertia that Jerry's talking about. Why, what is it? What is fear saying to you that, for example, keeps you from... Uh, doing what you know God wants you to do. And then, of course, you feel guilty for not doing it, and then you feel bad, and then you get judged, and then you think God's judging you, and it's really not God. But really begin. We can't emphasize that you are precious. There is nothing on this world, in this world, that is more precious to the Lord God than his children, his, the souls of his children, your eternal life, your relationship with him, being with him forever. I, I, I think the devil so told people so many lies about they're, they're worthless, they're not good enough, uh, it's their fault, they're never going to make it. So, we're, you know, and one of the other reasons we have this program is for you to talk to us. And I know some of you are out there listening right now, and a few of you have called us from time to time, but we would really like this show to become more of a dialogue with you. Um, because it's, you know, we're, we're sending out information, messages, and maybe you're just loving it. Maybe you're just getting really a lot of help from it, and we hope that's the case. But we would really like to be able to specifically address issues, questions, struggles that you might be having. Um, and so if you please, I mean, that's what talk shows are. That's what call-in shows are. And so far, you know, I think either we're doing such a phenomenal job um, or people are just listening to us with the archives, which I understand that. Yeah. Or, or or people are they're so they're so satisfied to listen that they don't have anything to say, or they don't know what to say. 
So if they're uh, listening on the archive and they have a question, what can they do? Well, they can email us if they got take a minute, and I know everybody doesn't have a minute um, to just uh, you know you know m cole m as in margie cole c o l e at liferecovery dot com. You can email me your question. I can't promise I'll get back to it specifically. I'll try to, but we can surely address these things on the radio. Um, and those are important questions. Uh, so, you know, it, we want to be of help to you. So whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and a lot of times, like Jerry said, it's not just talking at you. It's talking with you. We want to be able to, to um, talk with you about where you're at. Because our time here to do this with you on this radio, um, I believe our time for doing anything freedom of speech wise may be very limited. Yes. So be, be thankful for every day that God gives you rejoice in every day and, and be blessed by his eternal love for you. But if you don't know that love, we need to talk. Right. And, and one of the reasons that we need to um, know there, there are things we're, we are a work in progress. You know? Right. Uh, I mean, Jesus Mm-hmm. When we we come to Jesus Christ, He forgives us, He makes us new creations, all that, and uh, we're saved and everything. But then there's that process that is called theologians call it sanctification, where we're mm-hmm. set apart, where we grow. We grow, and Paul said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we're growing, we're developing, and all that. But Part of the reason God wants us to grow is 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 to get to the point where we're not just involved and overwhelmed and wrestling constantly with our own issues, right. but that we are reaching out to help other people. That's the and, whole point. And that's the whole Jesus point. Jesus didn't say, "Go fix yourselves up and get rid of your sin." He says, "Follow me and make disciples." He said, "Follow me, and make disciples, go into all the world." I will perfect that which concerns you. And, and this is, you know, uh, if you were listening earlier to uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert, yeah. they were talking about just kind of where our uh, young adults are and our, and our kids coming up today. And um, well, you know, the thing was, is, can I? I'm yeah. going to interrupt you. There might be people listening who have a ministry to reach that group of people. Yeah, if you have, a, you know, and here's the statistic that they gave, and I, of course I've heard this before, and my observation of this just in, in working with uh, young adults from time to time is that they said one half of one percent, this is in the United States, according to uh, George Barna, who does all kinds of uh, surveys and so forth, Mm-hmm. One half of one percent of the eighteen to twenty-four year olds mm-hmm. in this country have a, a biblical worldview. Now, oh wow! And and I, how I, many is that? That's not many. That is just that is just very 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 small. And uh, it's and one it, out of what? Really, even even people. I, I tell you what, if you go to uh, most uh, even church youth groups across this country. Um, and, and there are people there that maybe have been, you know, received Jesus from the time they were a little child and they've been taught in Sunday school and church and everything like that. But there's a lot of people that have gone through that whole church process and routine and have got that nothing. still they do not have a biblical right. worldview because when they're watching so much, uh, you know, the television and movies have more of an influence on 
Yeah. In, in, in America now, basically, uh, the theaters, the TV sets, that's we the, that's the yeah. church. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the church. The Church of America is basically the movie screen. And, well, yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and, uh, the and kids are being set set in front of those kinds of program program screens and programmed to uh, to believe like the scientific method is their savior, looking well, to medicine, uh, looking to this and that. Yeah, is, exactly. Be, right, and and I think you know, maybe some are looking at science mm-hmm. at, at, to be our savior. I, I remember you know, way back uh, in the last century, mm-hmm. in the last millennium. When I was in high school, science was taught, technology was going to be our savior. We we're going to have the machines were going to do so much for us mm-hmm. that the, one of the biggest problems we we're going to face is what we're going to do with all the time, free time that we mm-hmm. have. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah. But here's the deal, and I understand that uh, there is, Paul said, I have become all things to all men that by all means I may save some. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you to come before the Lord and say, Lord, you have, if you've given your life to Jesus, you you are called by God to share the that, gospel. That and you know what? Jesus. We're just about wrapping it up here because we're running out of so time. So go for it. So, yeah, and let's pray. Father God, we thank you now for uh, inspiring, encouraging, and anointing your people to do your will to follow you, to find you in, uh, in their, their hearts, that they will know that you love them. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to communicate, to be the computer communicators. You're our, we are your means mm-hmm. of communicating Amen. the good news, the truth, the love, the peace, the joy uh, of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ Amen. to people everywhere. So help us to be faithful to do that, Lord. We ask, Father, in your precious name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, join us next week, and uh, let's have some calls from you all. Thank you for listening tonight, and God bless you. Thank you for listening. I have an emergency. What is your location? 